We're going to uh, uh, start a new series this morning called Tangled. And uh, we're not going to hit everything that you could hit, but we're going to hit some things you normally don't hit. Does that make sense? And I want to talk about uh, relationships. Um, 214, isn't that weird? 214. Isn't that like anybody else going, ugh? <laughs> like 214, uh, what, you know? Um, I remember 63. Okay, so, um, anyways, but 214, and, you know, faith steps are required, right? Every year, when you come into a year, there are different kinds of faith steps that are set before you, usually uh, as an individual, usually as a, a couple or a family. Uh, you can't always anticipate them. What one year will roll out is very, very different than what another year will roll out, right? And you may be coming into 214 going, hey, it's going to be the same as 213. All right, if you're over 40, you should just repent right there and know better. All right, uh, very seldom is it the same. Uh, very seldom uh, does it roll out the same. And so when you come into a new year, there's different steps of faith that are required. And one of the things that makes that difficult is um, how we get tangled up relationally uh, in life. And life just seems to have a way of doing that. The fall, of course, uh, seeded that really well and tips a lot of things. But I want to look at this morning kind of as an, in- <coughs> excuse me, an introduction just on, on this whole thing. So let's pray this morning and ask God for his grace. Lord, we come. I want to pray this morning that my friends would be encouraged and blessed, that they would uh, uh, gain something from you, that they walk away edified and that they come away going, that was worth doing. And Lord, I, we pray for your presence as we um, have worshiped and sung to you. And it's wonderful to be <coughs> gathered together. We ask that uh, as we go through this, you understand the fall and how things entangle us way better than we do. And you can see it from a much clearer vantage point. We ask for the ministry of your Holy Spirit among us, for what's appropriate for the conversation that you want to have with us as we head into 2014. And so we give this to you with great hope and ask this in your name. Amen. All right. Uh, let me start with uh, a, a quote out of Proverbs, all right? I don't normally quote from there, but it reads like this. This comes out of uh, Proverbs. And by the way, there's no slides this week. Um, <clears throat> I had eye surgery and was sick. Margaret's in Wenatchee. And uh, so you're just going to have to use your Bibles again, all right? But uh, Proverbs 30 says, three things are, oh, thank you. Three things are too wonderful for me. Four, I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, that's my wife's favorite one, she loves snakes, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin, or a man with a woman. The Proverbs uh, is sitting back uh, and writing and saying, there's some things that are just mysterious as I think about how does that work, how does does that uh, actually go? And that last one, the way of a man with a woman, will be our jumping uh, off point for this morning. Now, I want to talk about not just uh, romantic or marriage relationships, but relationships as a whole can be a mystery to us. So uh, singles, there will be a a whole Sunday in here uh, dedicated to you in this because singleness presents its own trip, right? Elisha, right? Yeah. So Elisha knows. So um, 
But kind of go back to when you were a kid, all right? Go back to when you were somewhere in the 7 to 10 year range. And just think about, remember when you were young and the, the picture you had? And the picture kind of went like this. We go through school, maybe kind of date while we're in school. We head to college. In college, we fall in love. Uh, we have a career. We raise our children. And then uh, we spout wise things to our children and grandchildren from our rocking chair. Right? This is how it works, kids. Right? And you just have this picture of life was just very simple, very linear. It just kind of laid itself out. And it was actually fairly easy to negotiate the transitions. It wasn't that difficult. Have any of you found life to be that simple? Far from it, right? Uh, if you could look back and say to yourself uh, when you were five, 7 to 10, boy, it's not, it doesn't quite work out that way. Uh, the truth is relationships across the board can be amazingly complicated. There can be great seasons, right? And great runs, but there can be amazingly complicated things with relationships. Let me um, just run you through some, in case you're not in touch with this and you're going, Mitch, my life's beautiful. What are you talking about? Um, see if you can relate to any of these. Uh, how many of us ever planned on, on these? How many of us ever planned on having our marriage vows broken? Or how many of us ever planned on being betrayed by a best friend? Anybody ever been betrayed? by a best friend? How about being on the outs with our neighbors? Right? Didn't you always have this all-American Ozzie and Harriet picture of living with your neighbors and, and it would just be a beautiful thing and um, it would just go great and you moved into a neighborhood and thought it would just be fabulous and all of a sudden it it's falling apart and you don't even know how it started to fall apart. How about being managed out of a job? Any of us at 7 or 10 ever realized that even existed? Or that factored into um, life? How about having all the kids in the neighborhood decide that they were going to play with everybody but you? Remember that one? You can't play with us today. Well, why? Because we said so. What do I do with that? How about having, you ever had this one, having someone who you're really close to state an opinion that you couldn't even believe was their position or that was what they really thought? You just went like, wow, what do I do with that? Right? You ever had that one where you just, uh, I didn't know you thought that way. Right? Where does the relationship go at that point? You ever have someone close to you share a problem that you had no idea they struggled with? Hey, by the way, I just need to share this with you. Right? Whoa. You're awfully quiet, so I'm assuming you're relating to this. Either that or you're falling asleep. How about this one? You're doing fine in life. It's going along really good. <coughs> and someone else's drama and crisis wipes out your time and margin. Ever have that one happen? They kind of come screeching through your life like a wreck and hit the curb and then you have to pick up the debris field. 
Now you have to figure out what to do because suddenly their problems become your problem. Uh, how about this one? Someone walks out of your life. A mom, a dad, a, a friend. Uh, they just walk out of your life. And you don't know how to do life without them. You don't have a category for doing that. How about this one? Someone makes plans for you without asking you? Ever had that one? Oh, by the way, what? Yeah. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. I am, uh-huh. Right? You ever wrestle with that and then you try to work through that? There are dozens more. I just, those are my top ten. All right? There, there's dozens more. But just that brief sampling resonates with us on how complicated relationships can be um, and, and what they entail. Uh, the hardest ones usually have to do with family, right? That close inner circle, if, uh, if that gets out of whack, if that loses its balance, uh, that becomes something that you walk with uh, for a long time and it becomes difficult. As, as Christians, one of the things we bank really hard on and it's a wonderful thing, is the power of wisdom. The power of wisdom is extolled in Proverbs and uh, is lifted up in many different ways and tells you how to be wise. And, and we depend a lot on the Lord's wisdom to get us through some of the things that I just walked us through on that list. Two of the best pieces uh, found in Proverbs are Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord <coughs> is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. If you're NIV, it's wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the idea there is something happens in life when I suddenly realize that the Lord has something that he, to say about life and something to say about the issue of my life. And when I actually take that seriously and I start listening to Him, I start to gain what the Bible calls wisdom because I start to see it from God's perspective. And the Bible thinks that God is wise the Bible thinks that God is good. The Bible thinks that God is helpful and that God helps us in the midst of the kind of relational crises that we'll run into because of the fall. And so the gaining of wisdom is held in high esteem. The other one is found in Proverbs 18.21. It says this, <coughs> Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Notice that kind of leaves that open-ended. You either love life, and you'll love the fruit of life with your tongue because you came under the wisdom of the Lord, or you'll love death, and your tongue will produce death. And you'll embrace that with the power of your tongue, and you'll eat its fruits. And so our tongues and how we talk set us up for a lot a lot of these types of things. I was going to bring my uh, fishing pole today. I have an old bait casting reel. Kirk would get into this salmon pole. And, um, and I, on a bait casting reel, there's two things that you have to do well. You have to cast right, but then you also have to feather it with your thumb. right? And there's two major problems that you can do when you're uh, using a bait casting reel is one, you can set your thumb too hard so that when you cast, you just lock it and it snaps and snaps and there goes all your lures and all your bait and all your lead weight and it all goes sailing out in the sound and then you have to redo the whole thing 
because you set it so hard that it just went bap and it was gone. The other problem with a bait casting reel is you don't feather it right. And if you don't put your thumb on it, a bait casting reel does what's called free spooling. And so it gets going too fast for itself. Uh, you might be able to relate to this in life where you, you're just going too fast and you're out of control. And then it doubles up all over itself. And we call that a rat's nest, right? And, it's going, and it looks like a bad hair day, right? And, and you look at that and you just go, oh, it looks absolutely unsolvable. But I remember as a kid, I used to sit there and look at that, and I would just slowly pull one thread and another and move it a little bit and back it up and then move it forward and back it up. And usually, if you took anywhere from a half hour to 45 minutes, you would eventually get that rat's nest out. And it taught you to be much more careful the next time you cast because you didn't want to spend another half hour to 45 minutes um, getting out. If you really did a doozy or a whopper, uh, you just got the pocket knife out right? Just, you know. Um, problem is pocket knives don't work too well on relationships. And the same is true relationally. Uh, sometimes it's, we know the right thing to do, but the actual doing of it, we don't execute so well. We either hit it too hard, right? And the relationship snaps, right? You ever uh, just say something too sharp, come down mom or dad too hard, right? Just, and you just see it gone. There goes the weight and the lures out in the song, right? And, and you realize you've lost them because you, you hit it too hard. Or other times you didn't feather it enough and it just free spooled and now you've got a rat's nest and your whole family sitting there picking out loops and stuff trying to figure out how do we get back to where we were before it unraveled when I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Those are uh, uh, illustrations of how tangled relationships get. And it takes great patience and wisdom to undo those relational snags. Uh, they, they don't just, in America, we want to pop it in a microwave. We want three easy steps. We want it done in 30 seconds. And we want it fixed. And if I can't fix it in less than 30 seconds, you're really bothering me, right? But I think most of you realize um, it doesn't fix in 30 seconds. One of the clearest illustrations is just marriage. Okay? How many of you thought if you were married after 10 years, you'd have it all down, never have a flashpoint, never have another argument, you would just be in love, mature in Christ? Hmm. Right? And there would be no more flesh, no more sin, there would be no more problems, and it would just be rolling perfectly along, and you'd be the epitome of the Christian example of Christian marriage. Only to be standing in your garage having a meltdown, going, are we still wrestling with this? Of course, Pam and I never do that, right? We just did it this week. It, it's, it's astonishing how much patience and wisdom it takes to navigate some of the relational things that um, we, we fall into. We were, I want to, <coughs> um, we watched a movie the other night, Pam and I. I should say Pam really watched it because I, I couldn't see really well and I had a patch over one eye and watching it, you know. So I watched half the movie. But we watched this movie called Soda Springs. And just to show you how complicated relationships can get, this movie was like a train wreck of things that could go wrong. And so you can find it. It's on Netflix. Um, but this guy, uh, he's a musician. He plays in a band. 
And so they're playing at some honky-tonk, and, and of course, the, there's some gal who's enamored with him because he's a musician. Well, he's married, but he decides to have a fling with this gal, so they take off from the honky-tonk to go make out somewhere. And uh, on the way, they get in an accident and kill this elderly couple that's been married for four years. He ends up uh, being in prison for eight years, and his dad uh, comes to visit him, and he realizes his dad is actually saying goodbye to him, that his dad is uh, terminally ill, and he'll never see his dad again once he walks out that door. And so uh, the guy's life is kind of a wreck. He comes back home. It's a small town. Any of you grew up in small towns? Know that uh, your reputation far precedes you. And so uh, he comes back to a small town. He's not really welcome. And they let him know he's not really welcome. And uh, it gets uh, more complicated because he finds out that his former wife, uh, when this accident happened, he got in jail, she was actually pregnant with their son. But he didn't know that. So now he sees this son pitching baseball and realizes that, oh, that's, uh, oh, through a series of circumstances, that's actually my son. I have a son. So now it gets really complicated because now there's a 10-year-old boy involved. And um, the present husband of his former wife isn't really thrilled that he's around. He's really threatened. So he sets up a bunch of things to get this guy out of the picture again because he doesn't want him in the picture because it makes his life miserable. And uh, then he gets a job at the feed mill finally and turns out that the feed mill boss is a cute boss. So then he falls in love with his boss and, um, and he's living in this small town. Now, any of you who come from a small town like Prosser would understand the dynamics of that, that that is really a mess. It doesn't clear up right away. And at the end of the movie... <clears throat> he gets to meet his son and they get together and you get this sense of all will be happily ever after. Really? I'm like, wow, what a train wreck. I'm watching a movie. It was so painful for me. I had to get up and move several times. And I was, what are you doing? I said, I can't watch this. It's driving me crazy. Just because the thing they really captured well was the nature of sin the sin nature and what it does and what it does to us and what it does to relationships and the unbelievable loose ends that were laying all over the place in that movie uh, that weren't sewn up, that weren't, um, weren't fixed. Um, that isn't even the end of the story. So in the story then, you find out that that first night when he took off with this gal to go make out, that she was actually driving the truck. It wasn't him. He was in the rider's side. And when they got in the accident, it was her who caused the accident. And he took the hit for this gal and, because she had two children. So here he is, going to have an affair with a gal. She's got two kids. So then he lets her go, and he ends up spending eight years in jail for something he hadn't done. And it just, you get where I'm going with this? It gets involved, all right? It's, again, an incredible study in the nature of sin or its effects on a group of people. Actually, Let me give you another one. We just, uh, my birthday was on Friday, and uh, Pam took me out. We had a wonderful time. Cheesecake Factory in a movie. It was beautiful. And uh, we went and saw uh, The Saving of Mr. Banks. If you haven't seen that yet, I'll, I, I can tell who did. They went, mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. Uh, it will blow you away. Go see it. 
I recommend it. But that movie is an absolutely, and I won't give it away for you, but absolutely profound study on how one person's sin can entangle another for a long period of time. In this case, uh, most of a lifetime. And so if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, now you'll be curious and go see what I'm talking about. But it's an incredible case study in how one person's getting entangled in, in sin can then entangle an innocent person and engage them in the sin and try to unravel that for their whole lifetime. And uh, if you've <coughs> worked with people at all, that's not a surprise picture. So the gaining of wisdom or knowledge are critical to knowing how to navigate some of the entanglements that life brings our way. Life will bring them, even if you don't invite it. What you find out in life is that there are some things you pick, and then there are other things that pick you. And you don't have a choice over whether they pick you or not. And so the question of how do I deal with this, um, how do I deal with these entanglements, what are some of the entanglements we get caught in? Again, if, if this is fuzzy for you, let me give you several that might help clear it up. All right? First of all, the uh, Scripture talks about the entanglements of sin. Hebrews uh, 12, 1 and 2 talks about the sin that so easily entangles us or holds us or trips us up. Right? Um, I do not think sin has gotten any less in the last 20 years. I think it's gotten more sophisticated uh, much more uh, creative, uh, much more accessible. Uh, sexual sin is way more accessible in our culture now than it ever was. And so the idea that we are all just blithely going through life, none of us struggling, none of us having any problems, uh, and none of us being tripped up by sin, really would be pretty shocking because we get entangled with it. Uh, internet is a favorite place. Uh, how about entanglements of bad business or financial transactions? Has that gone away? Was that just a Great Depression thing? Are there still scams out there in our culture? And are there still things you can make a dumb move on and it can really cost you? Yeah, that, that, that's hard stuff. And if you get caught in one of those, it's really difficult. How about the entanglement of our lips? Your words ever got you in trouble? You ever blurted something out and went, I didn't mean that! Yes, you did. You just didn't mean to say it. But you'd been rehearsing it in your mind for a long time. And under pressure, <laughs> out it came. And once it's out, can you take it back? No, because why? The other person heard it. They knew exactly what you were saying. And they're going to hold you to it because of the way you said it. You can't change the tone. Right? This is one of the clever things that we do as humans, is um, we come out at an 8, right? If you take a, a scale of 0 to 10, and 0 is I'm just happy, sunshine and flowers. 10 is I'm raging maniac off the charts, right? And you come out and you burp out at an 8, right? You can't come back and say, oh, no, I was actually just saying this at a 2. Because the other person go, nice try, right? Nice try. But I heard the 8. I felt the eight. That impacted me. Ouch! Right? An entanglement of our lips. How about 
Any of you struggle with the entanglements of an angry or bitter spirit? Right? Residue that's been dropped on you, stuff that's been left with you, um, things that others have done that uh, really were unfair, and you know you should let it go, you know you should release it to the Lord, but every time you think of it, it brings a knot into your gut and you find yourself tensing up again or if you're coming to the <coughs> same room kind of thing, you get tense, right? Just it's, it's hard to be free of that. It's very easy to get entangled in a bitter spirit. How about the entanglements of an affair? Now, not... Um, uh, we'll talk more about this, but just briefly, uh, not just a physical affair, but an intellectual affair. You ever, your spouse disappoints you? Well, you don't do what I want, therefore I have a right to think about someone else because you've, you disappointed me. And we play, with, we get entangled in our thought life that way because once we start something, how well does that die? Does that just go away because you say it will go away? No, it, it's, it's a seed. It's taken root. It's grown, right? How about the entanglements of idolatry? Other things are just more important than God. They, they just carry more emotional weight. They carry uh, more priority. They carry more excitement. And so uh, they take up your energy. They take up your time. And God gets the leftovers or the crumbs. And you get really entangled with things that promise you life, promise you what you want, but in the end uh, leave you empty or, or bankrupt. If none of those, how about the uh, entanglement of pride? I'm just better than you, and you should know it. I have it mapped better. I don't struggle like other humans do. I have it figured out, and you would be wise to come and seek my counsel. You ever get tripped up in pride? Right? When we're talking about these kind of entanglements, I want to suggest the reason it's so quiet in the room is because we know. These aren't things that are foreign to us. These are things that are in our minds, in our hearts, that we wrestle with constantly against the voice of the Holy Spirit, listening to what the Lord's trying to tell us and trying the gaining of wisdom. I think we need to remember the age-old adage coming out of Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. These entanglements aren't just entanglements just because um, we were dumb and we walked through a blackberry patch, right? These are entanglements that are purposeful traps, purposeful uh, snares that are set out for us so that we get entangled so that we can't take the steps of faith that we want to or know that we should almost always sin has relational consequences uh, it either kills it or blows it up even if it doesn't it it's it bogs it down you ever just feel like you're you're walking with lead weights in your soul in terms of your faith. Uh, I remember as a kid growing up in Wisconsin, we had that red Wisconsin clay, and in the springtime it'd be kind of rainy and soupy, and you'd go out with your boots, 
and about five steps in, you'd have a glump of clay on your boots like this, and you could barely pick your, your legs up, right? You're trying to get to the barn, and you're... Argh! And uh, and in some cases, if it was soupy enough, your boot would go in, and you'd pull your leg, and the boot would stay in the mud, and your sock would come out. Now you step in, now your leg's full of mud, you're trying to get the boot out, now the other boot's stuck, and you can't... And uh, literally, there have been kids in Wisconsin that their dad had to come and pull them out with a rope. Right? True story. All right? I won't tell you where, but they did. All right? And... Uh, it's just, um, we can get so mired and so mucked up inside, so entangled that we can't really move anymore. We can't move relationally. We can't move spiritually. We can't move the steps of faith. And why that's important as we come to 2.14, I think it's just a really good reminder as we talk about this series and relationships is that um, we are no exceptions to sin. I'm not an exception to sin because I'm dressed well today and wear a tie. That doesn't prevent me from sinning, okay? And it doesn't prevent you from sinning just because you're sitting in that chair. What it means is we've come to listen, and the question is, do, are we actively applying what we know to our life circumstances so that we don't become entangled? I'm going to ask the, the guys to come forward and serve communion right now. Guys, if you would... Uh... <coughs> One of the thoughts with this series as uh, Zach and I were talking was the idea of uh, been praying for our church family for a long time about the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God. God really doesn't need to come and join us because he's already with us, right? He's in our souls and spirits. And when we gather together like this, there is this sense that God is among us as God, as the church gathered. But the question is that I prayed for a long time is, Lord, would you heal us? Would you heal our marriages? Would you heal our families? Would you heal our relationships so that we actually have the joy of the Lord on our countenances? Right? If you notice, uh, we don't always seem to be that radiant of a group. We seem to be very pressured, uh, very um, distracted, uh, Pam tells me I'm the nowhere man. Hello, anybody home, right? Because I'm off in my thoughts, distracted um, by a lot of the pressures and things that, that I have to handle and manage. And uh, it's very easy to get wound up with that and forget all about the presence of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. Um, moms, it's very easy to lose that in the process of being mom and just parenting. Day in, right? Day in, day out. Same thing, same diaper, same chores, same mess. I just cleaned that up. How could, mm, right? And, I think, and so we end up, uh, whether big things or little things, we end up getting entangled. And then our, our spirits aren't free. And if our spirits aren't free, we aren't free to take the steps of faith that the Lord would set before us. And so this morning, as we come to communion, um, I want us to consider right now where we stand. Where I should say where I stand, where you sit, right? To be more accurate. Do we recognize the need to break free from the things that have entangled us, that hinder us in our walks with Christ? 
And let me ask that even in a, a much clearer way, in, <coughs> excuse me, in English. What's hindering you? What's hindering you right now in the beginning of 214 that you've brought with you uh, probably with life? What's hindering you? What's holding you back from taking the steps that you need? What's keeping you from being free in your spirit? What has entangled you? That's not for other people to know. That's for us individually to wrestle with. As we come into 14, one of the prayers would be, Lord, would you untangle us? Would you help us have margin and bandwidth relationally? Would you help us get unstuck? Would you help us from this bogged down feeling and help us um, to clear so that we can actually think about 2.14 and what it is you would want to do with our life in 2014. You know, because if we don't get untangled, we'll miss it. We'll be so busy looking at the knots and the phrase and the loops, we won't even see what's going on uh, by us. I always wondered how many fish I missed because of the rat's nest and my reel, right? And the same is true. Uh, it's so easy to get involved in the entanglements that you miss what God's doing in the bigger picture. And so 2.14, I want to think of communion. What's holding you back as we move into 2.14? Maybe nothing, and if that's true, amen, hallelujah, right? Duck, knock on wood, and be thankful. But if there is, what's holding you back? What has entangled, maybe in your spirit, maybe in your soul, that is something you're just having a very difficult time getting free from, and you and the Lord know it. This morning, as we come to communion, the picture is that Jesus died to free us from those entanglements. That we can be free. How can we be free? We can be free because he died on the cross for our sins. The debt is paid in full. One of the places in the movie, uh, Saving Mr. Banks, isn't the statement is, isn't it long enough? Isn't it been long enough? Some of us are still trying to pay for our sins even though it's already paid for. It's enough. It's done. Jesus said, I've taken that for you. I freed you from those entanglements. Eat this in memory of me. One of the old things off of communion we don't use anymore because it's considered gross in our modern urban society is the idea that we were washed in the blood. That's kind of an icky metaphor for us as modern-day Americans. But it has a very, very significant, profound meaning. It means we were cleansed. It means we were washed. It was let go. It was forgiven. We can come and ask for forgiveness, and it's cleansed. And one of the things of communion is the idea of the cup represents Jesus' blood. And the idea we don't have to be entangled because we have been washed and we've been cleansed. Jesus said, drink this in memory of me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. Would you just join me in prayer for a second? Just in your heart. If there was a specific thing that the Lord pointed out to you this morning and you know there's a place where you're entangled, don't worry about the team. They'll, they'll get up here. They'll do fine. 
But there's a specific thing that you just know it's between you and the Lord and you know that's something you've been thinking about, praying about, and you've been having a hard time clearing. Why not this morning just take a moment? We're going to give a moment of silence. And between you and your Lord Jesus, our great Savior, our great King, our wonderful Jesus who loves us, ask Him to untangle that for you so that you can go in 214 with faith.